as we go through the prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples, um, just for a moment stop and recall what prayer is. It's important. It's important to think about what we're talking about here. To pray, uh, remember even the heathen pray. Uh, Idolatry is prayer. That was part of Israel's problem was one of the reasons why God removed them from the land was there wasn't their lack of prayer. Oh, they were making all kinds of prayers. The problem was they were praying to idols. They were praying to gods who could not in any way deliver them. They were praying to every tree that's growing on the tops of hills and rocks and stones and the sun and the moon. They were praying all kinds of things, except they weren't praying to God. To pray is to beseech a deity. Of course, we know that there's only one true deity. But it's to beseech the deity to intercede on our behalf, to carry out the things to which we are asking. And the way for us to pray to God with power is to ask God to do his will. This is how we come to God with assurance. We come to God with faith. We come to God with fervency because we are praying according to the will of God. We're praying what God wants us to pray. It is clear that God has laid prayer out as the agency by which he accomplishes things in this world. When you look at, for instance... Israel conquering the promised land. All right, here we've got, you know, Moses leads them through the wilderness and all of that, but the moment actually comes for them to go into the promised land. What does God do? God picks Joshua. God appears to Joshua. God says, all right, I'm going to use you to lead the nation. Now, did God have to pick Joshua? No. God could have just said, all right, get in there and do what I'm going to tell you. God could have simply had a God could have not used any kind of human agency, whatever. God could have said, look, I just need you to go in there, just scatter out, just fill the land. Don't worry, I'll bring the birds and the bees, and I'll bring the bears and and uh, scorpions. I'll bring whatever I need, and I'll just drive them out in front of you as you just go out and and fill the land. Murder hornets. I mean, God could have brought the hornets to just empty out every city. I'm just going to empty them all out. Don't worry about it. You guys, okay, that's not what God did. God used the nation of Israel. The army had to get their sword out, and they had to go, and they had to fight. Now, every time they did, they won. Joshua was the agency that God used. Everywhere Joshua went, Joshua just had to go into battle. The battle was God's, but you did have to battle. Prayer is like this. We tend to think, in in fact, Jesus will introduce this prayer in Matthew with, God knows what you have need of before you ask. Therefore, and we tend to to kind of finish that off with, well, why bother asking? I mean, if God knows what we need before we ask, why am I even asking? But that's not what Jesus says. Jesus follows that up with, God knows what you have need of before you ask. After this manner, therefore, pray or ask. This is the skeleton. This is the outline. This is the way to approach God and actually get things done. That's why all time poured into studying this prayer and thinking about this prayer and memorizing it, not that we just mindlessly repeat it, 
But we make it the foundation. We make it the skeleton. We make it the framework by which we pray to God. Everything that's included in this prayer is what God wants in our prayers. It's not, not, it's not, don't think about that in a legalistic way. This is not like you've got to pray with one eye open and a checklist, you know. Let me see, make sure I call God Father. Let's make sure I talk about him being in it. It's, it's not that. But it's, we need to look at the principles that are reflected in this prayer and try to get them reflected in our prayers. We looked last week about God being our Father. And Matthew includes, Luke just has Father. He doesn't have our. He just says Father. Uh, Matthew includes our Father, and he includes this little line, which is in heaven. So I would just take a second here, not, not the whole sermon, but not that we couldn't do the whole sermon. We do three or four of them, in fact, on our Father, which is in heaven. But because Matthew includes that, we're just going to say a little something here. When we hear the word heaven, I think sometimes we think immediately about the wonders of heaven. I can't wait to get there. I'm going to heaven. Can't wait, you know. Uh, We kind of get caught in that, perhaps. And we start thinking about it being our eternal home and how wonderful it is and all the great blessings and everything that's going to be there. And that's all true, but that's not what's being implied here. When we pray to God who is in heaven... What we're looking at here, the focus is not, by the way, God's home address. That's, that's, not, that's not what's happening here. This is to remember God resides in heaven. And when we go to him in prayer, we're going to the God who sees all. We're going to the God who is literally above it all, who gets the big picture. It's difficult for us to get the big picture. We're caught up in our own times. I think one of the interesting things about the very moment here in which we are in, this is so clearly a pivotal moment in the history of our nation. We are about to go in one direction or the other, probably for our, the rest of our lifetime, we're probably headed in one direction or the other here shortly. We're, we're going. There's a, there's a crossroads, and we as a nation are going to head one way or the other. Come November, we're going to find out. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes you just kind of go through life, and it's not really, it's not until much later that you're able to look back and realize that it was truly historic. We live in literally truly historic times at this very moment. And so we need to look to God and realize that God already knows how this is all going to go. In fact, it's all part of the plan of God. And so when we go to Him in prayer, We can pray to a God who sees the big picture. God knows. And so as we pray to him, and as we pray to the God who is in heaven, we're praying to the God who has seen the rise and the fall of any number of nations. This is the God that we pray to. He is, in fact, our loving heavenly father. And just to review from last week, remember, this is the God he he creates. God created the nations. God created this world. God keeps his word. God seeks out the fatherless and the helpless. And he sets out to help them. He gives us wisdom and guidance. And provides us with correction. He takes sinners and adopts them into his family. This is is the God we pray to. But he also resides in heaven. 
So let's just look for a second here. Let's read a couple of verses from the Old Testament to people who give us this big picture view of God. Deuteronomy 10, 14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the highest heaven, the earth and all that is in it. That's the God we pray to, the God who is in the highest heaven. He owns the whole earth. 2 Chronicles 2, 6. Solomon says, who is able to build a house for God? The heavens and the highest heavens cannot contain him. So who am I that I should build a house for him? Except maybe just to burn incense for him. It's like, I am unworthy to do this. I, who am I to do this? Isaiah 66, 1, thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Where then is the house that you could build for me? And where is the place that I may rest? God is emphasizing to us here that he exists in heaven and the earth is like a footstool to him. We look at the events of the earth. We look at the events of our world. We look at this pandemic, which seems to have come out of nowhere and and afflicted us. God is above all that. God's heaven, he's in heaven and earth is his footstool. God knows exactly how this is all going for us. And when we pray to him, we pray to the God who is in heaven. So here's some ramifications to that. Psalm 113.4. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. Psalm 139.7. Where am I going to go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the grave, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn and dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, well, surely the darkness will overwhelm me, the light around me will be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. You form my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. There's nowhere you're going to go that God doesn't see. God is well aware of where we are and the situation we're in and the challenges that we're facing. Why? He's in heaven. God rules in heaven. Jeremiah says this, 27.5, I have made the earth, the men and the beasts which are on the face of the earth, by my great power and by my outstretched arm, I will give it to the one who is pleasing in my sight. God says, I, I give the goods of this earth and the power of this earth and the reign of this earth to whomever I would like to. So the people that are in charge, the nations that are here, God wants them here. God wants the people who are elected and in charge, God wants them. Now, you may wonder exactly what God is doing. We may not have all the answers to that, of course. But there's no doubt that God who sits in heaven grants the people who have power on this earth the power that they have. It comes from God. And so, when we pray to the God who is in heaven, we acknowledge this. We acknowledge that he is in heaven and we are on earth. And so we come to him with a humility, with a willingness to submit to who he is. And to pray that he would raise up the righteous, put down the wicked. You know, that's a prayer God loves to answer. So pray it. And pray it with power. Pray it with fervency. Pray it like you mean it. God, raise up the righteous. Put down the wicked. 
It's a great prayer. It is a prayer that God loves to hear. God works through prayer. That's why we pray. God wants to unleash his power in our lives, in our, in our world, and in our nation. Remember at the end of the book of Job. What does Job say to, what does God say to Job's three friends? You guys were all wrong in your view of Job, and I'm going to have Job pray for you, and then I'll forgive you. I mean, God makes it clear that he uses prayer to accomplish the things that he wishes to accomplish. You have not, because you ask not. Of course, you ask and receive not, because you ask amiss, because you ask him for the wrong thing. That's why it's important that we understand who God is. When we pray things like, Lord, elevate the righteous and judge the wicked, okay, that's a prayer God absolutely gets behind. Pray it. Pray it. Often. And so we come to the next great phase in this prayer, which is, hallowed be your name. I want us to think for a moment about the name of God and then get back to what it means to hallow it. Names are really powerful things. It's, we don't actually have an opportunity to name too many things in life. You get to name your kids. I probably shouldn't talk too much about that. To this day, my kids get harassed about <clears throat> the names I gave them. Um, but getting harassed for your name, by the way, is a pretty common thing, right? Everyone in their childhood, I mean, it's just part of childhood. People make fun of your name. I, I, personally, I don't know anybody who didn't get their name made fun of when they were a child. It's kind of like the, the, the rite of childhood. It's part of growing up. If, if, and in fact, if your name is like plain and we can't make fun of it, we'll give you a nickname and then make fun of that. Or just give you some insulting nickname. This, this is part of growing. It's part of, of finding ourselves being tormented. Okay, God's name? We need to be very careful about how we treat God's name. I mean, it's one thing to insult our name. It's completely different to insult the name of God. God's name is much more important. God's name will bind oaths. God's name will command demons. God's name will bring about curses on people. And reverence for God's name can bring about blessing. All of these things we see in the scriptures. The name of God is to be held only in the highest esteem. Um, I'm not going to go through the names of God. One of the challenges of this morning's sermon was, where do you stop? How many times do you want to, how long can you go on this? So I I want you to know we're going to try to keep this into one, one sermon here this morning. So the name of God Uh, Deuteronomy 10.20, you shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and hold fast to him, by his name you will swear. If you swear by the name of God, what you're saying is, God curse me if I don't uphold this thing that I am swearing. The whole idea is to say, I call God as a witness that what I'm about to say and about to do, I will do at pain of God coming after me if I don't do it. That's, okay, you want, to be, you want to be careful about doing that. God takes that very seriously. And that's what he commanded the nation of Israel to do. You shall fear the Lord your God. Serve him, hold fast to him, and you will swear by his name. You'll call him to judge you if you don't keep it. 
Deuteronomy 12.5, you shall seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes. This is Deuteronomy, right? So they're still in the wilderness. You're going to seek the place that the Lord your God will choose out of all your tribes to put his name there and make his habitation there. That's where you're going to go. There's going to be one place where the Ark of the Covenant is, and of course we know that ends up being Jerusalem, because that's where God's name is. That's where you're going to bring your burnt sacrifices and your offerings, because that's where the name of God is. Deuteronomy 28 will give the blessings and then the cursings. If you're obedient, all these great blessings will come. If you're disobedient, all these curses are going to fall upon you. So at the end, where all the curses are, verse 58, it says this. If you are not careful to do all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God... Then the Lord will bring on you and on your offspring all of these extraordinary afflictions and severe and lasting and, you know, all this long list. What if you don't hold the name of God where you need to hold it? The name of God is to be exalted. This is, this is the word we get back now to the word hallowed. Hallowed be your name. Now, it should be noted, by the way, that this is the first request in this prayer, even in the Matthew's expanded version. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's a request. We, we are asking for God to hallow his name. So what does it mean to hallow? That's not exactly a word, I think, that's overly used in our vocabulary. We generally... Uh, there are words that, that are part of this word that we might use on occasion, like holy or those kinds of words. So that's what this word implies, hallowed, holy. And what does that imply? Well, that's separate, apart. This is, this is a word that is above other words. This is a word that we don't use lightly. This is a special, separate, set-apart word. Uh, when you go to court, for instance, it's, we would, you refer to the judge as your honor. Interestingly, the judge may or may not be particularly honorable. Listen, the, they just have the robes on, and they're sitting behind the, the big desk. You know, they're up there. They are in the position, and we refer to them as your honor because of the position. When we talk to God and we say, hallowed be your name, that's not, that's not all that we're implying here. This is not just, well, you're God. I mean, of course, we have to hallow your name. No, God is more than that. This is not just a set of robes that God puts on. This is not just a position that God holds. This is who God is. God is hallowed. God is holy. God's character, God's quality. The reason that you took God's name in vain, how, one of the ways, there are a number, but one of the ways that you take God's name in vain is to swear by the name of God and to say, I, I swear by the God in heaven that, and then whatever. But you know, you don't mean it. You're about to lie your face off. Well, why are you doing that? Because what you really think is, well, if I swear by the God of heaven, they'll all believe me, but frankly, I don't I don't think God is actually going to come out of heaven and do anything about this. 
I, I don't really count on God actually backing up this vow I am about to make. I have no fear of God. God, I, God is not going to do anything to me, so I'm going to get up and swear by his name, and everyone will believe me, and I'll lie my face off, and it's not like God's going to actually collect on that debt. Okay, that is to take the name of God in vain. You know, by the way, just wait till payday. God is hearing, God is listening, and the fact is that God will hold you accountable. That is an extremely dangerous thing to do. Um, don't swear by the name of God. Of course, James will get around to telling us, you know, just tell the truth. You shouldn't have to be like, well, I'm, I'm a two-faced liar and you can't believe a word I say, unless, of course, I swear. Uh, no, stop being that person who we can't believe a word you say until you have to swear. In fact, you should just let your yes be yes and your no be no as a matter of who you are. You shouldn't have to put you under oath to finally get the truth out of you. Just speak the truth. To take God's name in vain can also, of course, include using the name of God like, you know, like people do. It's just some adjective that they throw out there, you know. It's just something that they modify their nouns with, right? I mean, it's, it's, they just use the name of God everywhere. I, I, I knew a rather humorous story. There was a guy who was in construction. He happened to be a plumber, and he was at a new building construction. And he was on this ladder, and he's over there working on some pipe. And, you know, there's a bunch of guys. It's new construction, so there's eight, ten guys that are carpenters and electricians. And there's all kinds of people in the building. And he said, he said I suddenly realized, this guy was a Christian. He said, I suddenly realized, this place sounds like a revival meeting. I mean, everybody's using the name of God. Everybody in the whole place. So he finally just hollers out, hey, is this a revival? Because no one in the place is using the name of God for anything other than just Cursing things. That's what they use the name of God for, to curse everything. It's kind of curious as to why anyone would want God to curse the tools they're using. Why would you call down the curse of God on the, on the, on the tools you're using? Not a good strategy here. That's how the world uses the name of God. That's not how we should use the name of God. The name of God for us should be something special. Something holy. Hallowed be your name. Listen to David. David goes out and talks to Goliath. And listen to what he says to him. David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. I come to you, and I know some of you know this, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies, whom you have defied. I come in the name of God. This is to hallow the name of God. This is to set the name of God apart. This is to make God special, holy, hallowed. Solomon says in 1 Kings 8, Now the Lord has fulfilled his promise that he made, for I have risen in the place of David my father. I now sit on the throne of Israel, and as the Lord promised, I have built the house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Solomon said, By the name of God, I have built him this house. I wish to elevate the name of God. And so I've made this great temple, Solomon's temple, one of the amazing wonders of the world. Elijah gets up on the top of Mount Carmel, right? And he, and he turns to the prophet of Baal and he says to them, you call upon the name of your God and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, well, he is God. And of course, all the people said, yeah, that sounds good. Okay, that sounds good. And we all know how that came out, right? Go ahead, call the name of your God, go ahead. 
What? What? We know that as time goes by, Elijah would be like, what? You better call louder. I mean, what? Is he sleeping? Is he way on a journey? I mean, what? And they start, you know, leaping and cutting themselves with lances until the blood is just gushing out of them, trying to get the attention of their God. We all know how that goes. Elijah just builds the altar back up and pours water on it and pours more water on it. And they're in the midst of a drought, remember? Pours more water on it. And then he just prays. He just prays. And the fire falls. Psalm 27. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in horses. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 48.10. As your name, O God, so your praise reaches to the ends of the earth. And your right hand is filled with righteousness. Psalm 69.30. I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. Psalm 79, 9, help us, O God, our salvation for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone for our sin for your name's sake. And of course, ultimately, the day is going to come when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is what is the name. This is what's going to happen. So we, we find that God uses his name to declare his glory, to declare his greatness, First Samuel 2, there is no one holy like the Lord. There's no one besides you, nor is there any rock like our God. Isaiah, that great passage in Isaiah, he gets, he gets to heaven and he has this vision of God. And the word hallowed is the word holy. And this is what occurs, Isaiah chapter 6. He's looking at the throne of God and there are the angels. And one calls out to another and says, holy, holy, holy. Or, our passage this morning, hallowed, 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 right? Holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out. And the temple was filled with smoke. Why? Because God is holy. He is hallowed. When we hallow the name of God, when we make holy the name of God, what we are doing is declaring that God's purposes, God's will, what God is doing in this world is great. We set out to prove that God is the greatest. Now, God's final intention, what does God finally do with this world? We tend to think that, well, God is going to renew this world, and God is going to make this world a, a new place in the millennium or in the new earth, and that through that, God is going to show his great glory. But the fact is, God is going to create the new heaven and the new earth to bring glory to himself. The ultimate target of glory is always God. So the earth is made to glorify God. We are made. To glorify God. We are made to bring glory to God. The creation was created that it might bring glory to God. God's works are done so that we might glorify God. When we pray that God would be glorified, what, what are we praying for? When we bow our heads and say, hallowed be your name. And what do we think we're saying here? Just Stop a second, and because and we've all prayed it, what are, what are we praying? 
Oh, Lord, may you, may you glorify your name by controlling the nations. Okay, uh, God does control the nations. I suspect God will control the nations whether we pray for it or not. It's okay to pray that God will control the nations. Pray that God controls the weather. God does control the weather. Pray and, and thank God that he reigns on high. I mean, Lord, hallow your name. You need to hallow your name. Okay. But what do you think is really, why did Jesus instruct his disciples to pray this? It's a very personal reason why he instructed them to pray this. Because it has to do with us. We need to hallow the name of God. It's not just, oh Lord, would you be so kind as to you hallow your name in heaven, which after all is where you dwell. This is much more personal than that. This prayer is not just a, you know, Lord bless all the missionaries and oh, by the way, hallow your name while you're at it. Okay, this is not this big, broad, can't really pin it down. Oh no, oh no. We need to make this personal. Lord, I want you to be hallowed and holy in my life. I want to make your name holy. I want to act like I actually believe your name is holy. I want to never use your name in a profane way. I I want to always honor you and your name. I want your name to be special and holy. When Achan sinned, remember Achan took of the the stuff that was under the ban in Jericho. And then they went after Ai and they didn't consult with God. Joshua didn't. And when they went to Ai, they got defeated. And Joshua goes and he prays to the Lord. And listen to what he says. Joshua said, alas, O God, why did you ever bring this people over the Jordan? We lost. We lost. Did you bring us over here only to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites and to destroy us? If only we had been willing to dwell on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what can I say? Israel has turned their back before their enemies. The Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land are going to hear this. And they'll surround us and cut off our name from all the earth. And what will you do for your great name? This is the kind of prayer that God answers. Lord, what will you do for your great name? I'm here, Lord, to to claim your name. I'm here to declare your name. I'm here to say I am a servant of you and your great name. What, Lord, will you do for your great name? And, of course, we know what God says. You know, get up off your face. What are you doing down there praying? I'm sitting in the camp. Get out there and deal with that, and we'll get back, to, we'll get back on the schedule here. You need to go deal with Achan. You've got, you got a problem here. In fact, you should have prayed before you went after Ai, and I'd have pointed it out to you then, but you didn't. So... Since you didn't pray, you didn't ask, so you didn't get. Now you would suffer defeat. If you'd have prayed earlier, things would have been different. A wonderful lesson on prayer, by the way. Pray more. We want to pray that God uses us. We are the vessels of God's mercy, the vessels of God's grace. We want to be the people that God uses. Lord, use my life. This is why we're here, to hallow the name of God. The world uses the name of God to discurse everything. We use the name of God to be a blessing. We pray that God use us. Hallowed your name through me. 
Make me that vessel that I may be used of you. This is why we're still here, that the world would look at us and the world may say to us, though they may hate the God that we serve, they'll at least look at us and say, you're sincere. They may think we're sincerely wrong, but at least they think we're sincere. They will look at us and say, I wished I had your faith. I wished I had your confidence. I wish that I could trust God like you do. That's what we should be striving for. We should be trying to live a life that, that reflects that. That's what it is to hallow the name of God. That's what it is for us to pray that God would use our lives. Pray big prayers. Pray that God would do great things through his great name. Not because we're great, because he is great. We want to be sanctified. We want to be people used of God. God saved us so that he might show the world what it looks like when he pours out his grace and mercy on people. That's who we are. So, Lord, show the world what that looks like. Now, that doesn't mean, of course, that we're going to have enormous wealth and wisdom and honor and we may I mean that may happen we live in America so frankly I think all those things actually are poured out on us but God is going to use our lives to bring honor and glory to himself we're here to honor the name of God that's why we live that's why we're not in heaven we'll honor the name of God better in heaven but this is why we're left here Ephesians chapter 2 We know 8 and 9 very well. It's 10. 10 is today. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has before prepared that we should walk in them. Why? To hallow his name. We are made to do the works that God wants us to do so that our lives will point people to God. People should look at us and say, I want to know your God. Your your relationship with God is enviable. I mean, your God is not a God afar off. Your God is not a God who is greatly distant. You seem to have this personal relationship with God. How in the world is that? Well, because we have a personal relationship with God. When we pray, we don't have to use vain repetition. We don't have to just pray the same thing over and over and over and hope God hears us. We pray to God who hears us. And we know he hears us. We pray with earnestness. We pray with fervency. But we pray to a God whose ear is opening. God's ear is listening. We have the ability and the opportunity to bring honor and glory to God every single day. We are obedient to God. We we live in a world which, by the way, if you're not watching, please, please pay attention. There is a huge battle going on right now in our own society whether we are going to hold to a worldview that acknowledges a God, acknowledges an objective, eternal truth, or one in which everybody gets to make up their own truth as they go along. Those two worldviews are at war. Of course, they have been since the garden. I mean, that was... Satan's whole lie to Eve was that if you eat of the tree, you can make up good and evil all on your own without God. Okay, we are in the midst of a heated battle. The battle just goes on all the time, but, I mean, it's really going on. 
We need to stand for God. We need to stand up and say there are eternal, self-evident truths. Men are men, and women are women. It's hard to believe that's a controversial statement these days, but stand up and say it anyway. This is God's truth. And we honor God's name. They come to us in the name of who in the world knows who they come to us and what name, who, whatever God it is. They think they're the God of themselves, I guess, I, the God of their own imagination. We come to them in the name of the Lord God who created heaven and earth. And the day is going to come, and they better realize it, and we need to tell them the day is going to come where they're going to stand before the true God. And they're going to give an account for their lives, and they're going to answer. And by the way, so are we. So we need to stand for God. Now, this is the moment. This is the battle. We need to stand up and declare that we are new creatures in Christ. That we believe God is at work in our lives. And by the way, pray like you believe that. Pray that God's name would be sanctified and glorified in your life and in the lives of the people that you know that God would equip you to every good work, that God would give me the wisdom as I stand up here and declare the word of God to you, that I would help equip you to carry out the work of God. This is why we're here. This is is why God gave you and all of us a spiritual gift. You have a gift. It's from God. And you might be tempted to look and and look at me and kind of go, oh, well, you know, when it comes time to get to heaven, you know, you're obviously going to be, you know, ahead of me. Uh, Okay. Let's be clear here, okay? My gift is no greater than your gift. I have 24 hours a day just like you do. I have 24 hours a day to live for God just like you do. God's gift to you is as great as God's gift to me. And you need to do your gift just as I do my gift. Don't allow yourself to, to step back and to think, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm just a toe, you know, I'm... I'm just a little toe down here cramped in the bottom of the shoe. You know, I just get crammed against the side of things all the time. You know what? The little toe is going to be in heaven, and God is going to have great reward for the little toe, if that's who you happen to think you are. You're probably not, but somebody is. Do you know what? It's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I got news for you. You drop something on your little toe, your whole body is going to have a reaction to that, and your whole body is going to be hopping around and jumping and grabbing that thing, and you're not going to be yelling. You're not going to be going, oh, look at that toe. Oh, the toe down. Oh, no, this is my toe. You, ah, that's my toe. Okay, that's how the body is. We are the body of Christ. And if you're a toe in the body of Christ, you're still in the body of Christ. You have the opportunity, the same opportunity, 24 hours a day, seven days a week to live for God. And whatever it is you do, whatever your job is, do all things to the glory of God, and you will be astounded at the rewards that await you. Magnify the name of God. Live your life like you believe God is who he says he is. And that God's name is glorified, magnified. He is the God above all gods, the king above all kings, the Lord of all lords. He is the high and exalted one. That is his name. Live like you believe it and you will hallow his name. When we pray this, that's what we're praying. Lord, be glorified. May your name just exude out of me. Let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. That is to hallow the name of God. 
It's exactly what this prayer is. Let's pray. Father, you are the great God. You're the God of all gods, the king of all kings, the Lord of all the earth. You created this place not that long ago. You are fully aware as the Alpha and the Omega of where it started and where it's going. And we have a part to play in that. Maybe small, maybe significant. We just don't know, Lord, but we know that you are great. And we serve a great God, and so may we be faithful. May we strive to bring honor and glory to your name. May your name be hallowed in our lives and the things we do. Use our lives, Lord. We're the generation. This is it. Here we are in this world. It's us. May we be faithful to call upon you as others have in the past, and may you use our lives as you have used others' lives. Transform us, Lord. Make us faithful, and may your name be glorified in us. We ask in your great name. Amen.